You're listening to the Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures from multifamily properties, mobile homes to Bitcoin mining. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets and finally create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. You're listening to Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures. From multifamily properties, mobile homes to cryptocurrencies, do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets. And finally, create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Alternative Investor Mastermind. Today, I want to talk about why real estate is still the safest bet, even with higher interest rates and a potential recession. First thing I want to point out is that most multimillionaires have a much higher allocation of their wealth in real estate and other alternative assets than the stock market. I saw a statistic that roughly 90% of investors are just in the traditional stocks, index funds, mutual funds, and have very limited exposure to real estate. And I think that those of you that have, that are accredited investors that have significant net worth should have much higher percentage of our assets into real estate and alternative assets, especially with some of the coming economic uncertainty we have. I want to see a lot of noise. I see a lot of news about real estate prices. And it's really, it's the CNBC highlights on the residential housing market. Don't let the hype of the residential market scare you away. The residential and the commercial real estate market are drastically different. And there's a great quote by Howard Marks at Oak Tree Capital. He was one of the early investors in the subprime crisis. And he has a book about market cycles. And I've tended to repeat this a lot. Some of you have probably heard this 10 times from me. History may not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. I'm not expecting a 2008 type housing crisis. And the reason is so many people locked in fixed rate debt. There's not going to be the level of supply that there was. In 2006 and seven. most of the people that got in trouble had these option arms where they got in with a teaser low rate. And then all of a sudden, a year or two years later, the rate was doubling or tripling. That's not the case this time. I locked in, I think, 2.88%. Most people I know that bought in the last couple of years locked in 30-year fixed rate debt. So they're not going to be forced sellers. And with rents, with inflation going on, rents are also through the roof as well. So many of them might choose to, to rent the property out instead of sell in a few years because they've got a 30-year fixed rate at 3% and they can rent the place out and make thousands of dollars a month. So again, I don't expect a housing collapse. There probably needs to be an adjustment in some of these markets that just had this crazy bubble during COVID because of lack of supply. Commercial real estate's different. When you're investing in cash flowing properties, everything sort of adjusts as debt increases. So what we invest in are cash flowing properties. We have a significant amount of fixed rate debt, much of which we locked in a year or two ago at very low rates. And any debt we currently have that is variable rate or floating rate, there's a cap. We have an interest rate cap so that if rates cannot go up more than usually it's either one and a half or 2.25%, 2 
and it hits a cap and the rates can't go any higher. So we actually have a building in Little Rock, Arkansas in our first fund. It was purchased in February this year and had a one and a half percent interest rate cap. So rates have went up over two and a half percent this year. And that property is in the money. Rents are still increasing like crazy and the rate can't go up any higher. And we're doing really, really well. Talking about rents, multifamily rents are still increasing significantly along with inflation. There's a couple of reasons for that. There's still a shortage of workforce housing with the cost of construction, cost of materials, cost of building, building new construction. In general, if you're building new apartments, you're building higher end. Unless there's some tax incentives, you're generally building what I call a class A And those are not affordable for the average workforce housing, the Amazon delivery driver, the entry-level plumber, the fast food worker to some extent. So there's very much a shortage of that type of housing. And that's what we focus on. We buy properties that were built in the 70s or 80s and are nice and relatively occupied, but just are dated and need an update. And we found that for the middle-class professional that is just looking for a nice non-luxury place to live, by renovating an apartment, putting in new kitchens, bathroom, and flooring, we're getting a premium, in some cases, 50% higher rent than when we purchased just by providing a nice, clean place to live that's not super luxury, going to cost, you know, that's below $2,000 a month. So to hedge against inflation, leveraged real estate is one of the best ways to go. You have positive cash flow, it's completely passive. And in my opinion, it's much safer than the stock market. Another asset class that is a mainstay of the syndication world that we have some exposure to and will likely continue is self-storage. Self-storage has always been known as recession resistant. In the 2008 crisis, self-storage did wonderfully well. When you have to downsize a property, you need storage. If you're moving to a different area, you often need storage. There's a lot of growth in the Southeast and the Sunbelt with people moving from the North And often they're going to move some stuff and they want to have a nice, even if they're moving into a bigger house down South from the Northeast, they often want the house to be clean and it's a good way to, to pare down your stuff, but often it ends up in self-storage. When you talk about self-storage with inflation, think about how much of a pain in the butt it is to clean your garage or how much you put it off. If you've got a storage unit and with inflation, you're getting a $50 a month rent increase, what's the likelihood you're going to go and just clean out and move your entire storage facility? It's very low. The tenant base in self-storage is very sticky, very high renewal rate, average multi-year leases, and not very sensitive to rent increases. So it's a great asset class. And many others, we track the mobile home park space. We've done some student housing, generally in SEC country, big universities that pretty much stayed for the most part open and people rented for most of COVID that are going to continue to be be mainstays and a very stable occupancy, real simple cash flow. We love those asset classes. As far as where we are in the stock market, a lot of people preach index funds, just stay in. I'm certainly not advocating anyone to just panic and sell at the bottom, but keep in mind that we've had a 20-year run of generally low interest rates, the Fed buying bonds, doing whatever it could to prop up the markets. And there's some larger shifts happening right now. And there's been some periods of time through the 60s, 70s, where we've had five, 10-year runs where the market hasn't automatically bounced back the next year like it did in 2020. Japan, for example, there's sectors in Japan that haven't reached their peak from the 90s. And Japan, if you look at macroeconomics and follow guys like Peter Zihan, they have some demographic issues of an aging population that is very similar to what's happening here. Our average baby boomer turned 65 this year or so. 
That means a lot of money that's been just in 401ks, that's been passive, that's just been coming out of people's paychecks and likely in stocks and in more type of growth sectors is shifting more into protective mode. For example, bonds, especially with interest rates up, a lot of that money is going to get more conservative and there's less money to prop up the stock market. So I think more than ever now, it's important to be diverse, diversified and important to have more assets in real estate and secured by real assets rather than the casino of the stock market. A lot of people have also asked me or mentioned that only one or 2% of fund managers beat the stock market consistently. And for the stock market, I completely agree. I think the stats speak for themselves. However, private real estate funds, private syndications are different. It's not exactly apples to apples. If you run the numbers on Warren Buffett's returns, and he publishes these in his annual letters, throughout the 60s and 70s, he actually made higher returns through publicly traded stocks. And you'll see headlines of him buying Coca-Cola and Apple and doing well on some public stocks now. But in reality, he's made a much higher annual return on his private deals, buying Geico, There's a number of private companies he owns, and the private equity deals over the last 20 plus years have actually been a higher return for Berkshire. So you can beat the market because you're actually buying, when you invest in private funds and syndications, you're buying a piece of a business. And there are plenty of businesses that have 15, 20, 25% profit margins. So when you look at beating the stock market average 8, 9% annual return with some exposure to private real estate, if you don't think you can, that there's businesses that can earn 10, 15% or more a year, then certainly don't do it. But I think if you do your research, you'll realize that there's plenty of private businesses that are consistently earning that. And then the question is, are you considering that a stock, a return that's like the stock market? Or you consider that more of a margin or just a profitable business itself? And with our series of funds, what we look for is limited partners, passive investors, but I do think of them as business partners. So with that said, where the market is right now, and I just came from a conference in Miami about a week ago, the market's adjusting slightly. So we are seeing some better pricing. We're seeing some great opportunities right now to buy all of these asset classes, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, student housing. Because with interest rates rising, the sellers know the numbers and the sellers know that a buyer is going to have slightly higher costs because there's a higher borrowing cost. And pretty much everyone buying a larger real estate property is going to use some leverage, even with rates at five, six, seven percent. It's still cheaper than equity. And smart conservative leverage is what pretty much every sophisticated buyer is going to use conservative leverage. So, with that said, we're getting better pricing and essentially priced in at this point. Our thesis is pretty much everything we buy has a value add component. And the properties we target, we could add more value by renovating units raising rents from 800 to 1200, raising rents 40 to 50% on renovated units, that that value increase is going to outpace inflation across the board. And that's why I mentioned there's a lot of noise out there right now. It goes, it's very simple. You buy right and you dollar cost average, you consistently buy into new opportunities that are the best available at the time. And then over a five or 10 year period, we're continually adding value. So we expect that we're going to do very well on our investments. Um, I actually have a case study on a real property. This is a 94 unit in Miami, actually in Fort Lauderdale that we closed on in July. We were fortunate. We locked in 4% fixed rate debt on this property. That was largely, it was from actually a a local bank 
And it was largely due to the relationship our partner has with the bank. He's a high net worth individual. He owns a number of the properties and that bank, even though rates were moving, they locked in an interest rate and we've got at least five-year fixed rate debt. This is a 94 unit. It was owned for a long time by an owner that was collecting rent and not really doing much with the building. It was 90, 95% occupied, but you know he would just paint and just re-rent units without doing much work. So we took over the property with the plan of doing renovations as units became vacant. We also did a lot of work on the exterior, painting the exterior, clean up the courtyard. It's got a great courtyard and a great pool in the center. And it's about five minutes from Las Olas, the main strip in Fort Lauderdale. So what's been happening in Fort Lauderdale is a lot of people are moving from the north. A lot more people can work remote and are moving to Florida. So the higher end apartments, the higher end, the single family houses, everything else is shot up in value like crazy. And where do the waiters live? Where do the the housekeepers, where does the middle class live down in Florida right now? And they're largely living in these types of apartment buildings. And it's something, it's a big, 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 there's a big, big, big shortage. So what we're seeing is rents are increasing. The prior owner just wasn't really paying attention. He wasn't really tracking the market. He might raise rents 25 or 50 bucks. He just wanted to keep the place occupied and just really didn't run it like a true business. So now rents are moving up to market. We have a choice between renovating the units or just re-renting them. And what we're finding is there's such a shortage that we're getting $300 plus more in rent without doing a full renovation. Just paint cleanup. Normally the plan is kitchens, baths, and flooring, but in most cases, just light renovation or just paint and cleanup. And there's just such a demand right now that we're delaying the full renovations and just renting and rents are up 20, 30% per unit without re-renting. So we're still going to long-term work through that business plan. But as of now, we're getting the same rents without having to renovate. And the questions come up a lot, how much more can rents go up? And I had a great conversation with Danny Catan, who we're partners with on a number of deals in Jacksonville and Fayetteville, North Carolina, and a few other ones. And he made a really interesting point to me. I don't know how many of you have seen sort of the help wanted ads that are out and about. I remember seeing one on one of my recent trips, In-N-Out Burger was offering $20 an hour. So you talk about minimum wage and all that stuff and some of the political stuff, which I'll stay out of. But the fact is 20 bucks an hour to flip burgers. And that's happening. There's a shortage across the board of workers. Some of that has to do with, I mentioned baby boomers. The average baby boomer turned 65 this year. That was the largest generation. So there's a lot of people leaving the workforce and there's not enough workers for many of the jobs. So wages are increasing regardless. And if you think about what does it take to raise rent $100, if an average worker working 40 hours a week to cover a $100 rent increase, they need to make an extra 62 cents an hour to cover a $100 rent increase. And I think, and I hope most of you agree that, especially on the sort of workforce housing, the hourly workers, wages are up well more than 62 cents over the last year or two. And with continued inflation, that is likely to continue. So I feel good about our thesis that rents are not going to do take a dive here, not on the middle-class workforce housing, apartment renter side of the business. I just don't think that's going to happen with the worker shortages. Want to talk a bit about taxes and then we'll finish up for today's podcast. Today is middle of October. We've got two months left before the end of the year. And this is the time to do your planning for 2022 and moving forward in 2023. This is the last year of bonus depreciation. That means that 
when you invest in, in syndicated projects, they generally will do what's called a cost segregation. And they will look at the life of the windows, the roof, the air conditioning units, the kitchen cabinets. And instead of taking them over 27 years, which is the way that standard depreciation works, you're allowed to accelerate that. And anything with less than 15 years left on its life can be taken in year one. What that generally means for passive investors is for every $100 you put into a deal, you're generally getting between 50 and 100% tax loss on paper year one. So this could offset other passive income you have. If you own other properties, pieces of other businesses, and you have other passive income, the losses from passive real estate can offset all of your other passive losses. If you're a high earning professional and you have a high W-2, in most cases, you cannot offset your W-2, although there are some great scenarios where that can work. And that's more of a one-on-one conversation about becoming a real estate professional. And which doesn't mean you need to be a real estate broker. It just means the amount of hours you spend on renting of properties, and that could include your spouse as well. So if you want to have an interest, a one-on-one conversation, we love strategizing on that. We love to hear what our investors are doing, what they're working on, what their goals are. So my main point is you have about a month to figure out if you can save money on taxes by investing into properties this year. And in addition, we've had a bit of a price adjustment on new acquisitions, so we're getting much better deals. So if you've been worried about the interest rate rise and catching the falling knife, if you will, we've got great deals all along, especially now we're seeing some great opportunities with the shift in rates. And now it's a great time to be actively shopping to buy and invest. And if you have money sitting in cash, inflation is likely to continue. So you're losing money every day if your money's in cash. That's it for this episode. Please follow us if you're on iTunes. Please give us a review, Spotify, your podcast platform of choice. We are on YouTube as well. So if you like YouTube, please subscribe, leave a comment. If you have topics you'd like us to address, please let us know. You could also subscribe to our newsletter at jcaminvestments.com and feel free to reach out if you have any questions or are interested in investing passively. That's all for this Thanks episode a lot. Have a great of Alternative day. Investor Mastermind. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra-connected and ultra-wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.